A 12th century castle which has now stood alone, empty and unused for over 350 years. In a remote valley in the wilds of Northumberland, this ancient fortress has seen reports of dark shadowy figures moving swiftly around the barely standing stonework. Strange glowing lights have been seen moving around the ruin, and footsteps are heard walking on floorboards above visitors' heads, despite there having been no floorboards there for centuries. Tonight, let us head into the Northumbrian countryside and take a look at Edlinham Castle. Welcome to episode 31 of How Haunted, a weekly paranormal podcast where each episode we explore the horrible history and terrifying ghost stories of one of the most haunted places on planet Earth. I'm Rob Kirkup, author, paranormal historian and ghost hunter from the northeast of England. Allow me to be your guide as we dare to investigate in depth the often dark and troubled history of each location. And of course, the chilling tales of the ghosts that reside within. This week, we ask just how haunted is the dramatic ruin of Edlinham Castle. Listener discretion is advised, as each episode of How Haunted will feature gruesome tales, horrific happenings, bloody murder, and ghosts. So many ghosts. Listen on if you dare. Edlinham means homestead of the sons of Eadwulf, and the village of Edlinham's recorded history dates back as far as 737 AD when King Seowulf gave Edlinham to Cuthbert. There's some confusion over who this Cuthbert may have been, as some mistakenly claim that this was Saint Cuthbert of Lindisfarne, but he had died 50 years earlier, in 687 AD. The remote village of under 200 residents lies in the valley of Edlinham Burn, surrounded by a landscape of scarps, fields and vales. Corby's Crags, a high moorland, overlooks a small settlement of 19th century cottages that make up the village. In the 12th century, John de Edlinham built a two-storey house near the burn, containing a hall, 
parlour, chambers, bakehouse, brewhouse and a kitchen surrounded by a moat. The constant threat of raids from north of the border led to the house being fortified in 1296 by Sir William de Felton. He added a strong palisade inside the moat with a gatehouse on the north side. The building was improved and expanded frequently and by the end of the 14th century the house was referred to as a castle. As the centuries passed, as well as the threat of the castle coming under attack, the purpose of Edlinham Castle changed and eventually the building and land were used for farming. In 1650 the castle was abandoned and it was never inhabited again. In the over 350 years since, the building rotted, decayed and stone from the building was taken to be used in the construction of other buildings and walls within the village. Eventually the ruined castle was buried completely under six foot of soil. In 1978, English Heritage dug the castle remains out and made them safe for visitors. In the 17th century, a lady called Margaret Stothard lived in Edlinham. She was popular for a time with the locals, and she earned a reputation as a charmer with the ability to heal the sick. Sadly, her willingness to help soon backfired, as someone suggested she must be a witch, and in 17th century England, the merest suggestion of such things would see the woman brought a trial for witchcraft. Despite helping the sick of Edlinham, everyone turned on her and demanded that as a witch, she must be killed. The Margaret Stothard witch trial took place in 1682. Local lady Jane Carr explained at the trial that in 1671 she thought that her daughter was behaving very strangely, as if not in control of her own thoughts, so turned to Margaret for help. Kindly Margaret was more than willing to see what she could do, and upon visiting the car home, she whispered something into the child's ears. Then, in Jane's own words, put her mouth to the child's mouth and made such a chirping and sucking that I thought she had sucked the heart out of it. Jane's daughter was immediately cured of whatever had ailed her and she returned to her normal self. But Margaret was seen outside, acting as if possessed herself, ranting and seemingly going mad. Margaret approached a goat and whispered something to the beast. The next day the goat had gone crazy and had to be killed. The Carr family testified that they believe Margaret somehow removed a demonic spirit from their daughter and then passed it into the poor animal. Isabel Main told that she was a milkmaid and on an occasion in 1678 she was unable to get the milk to curdle into cheese as hard as she tried. She asked Margaret if she was able to help and Margaret told her that the cause was most likely a witch looking on her cows with ill wishes. She suggested that Isabel rub salt mixed with water on the cow's back to protect them. This worked, and she was able to produce cheese once again, to bring in more money. Despite helping Isabel, Isabel still testified against her, and she said that she clearly has knowledge of witchcraft. Some were convinced that Margaret was equally capable of using her powers to do the devil's work. John Mills, who was agent of the Swinbirds of Edlinham Castle, said that one Sunday night he was lying in bed in the castle, unable to sleep when he heard a mighty gust of wind. Then in his words, something fell with a great weight upon his heart and gave a cry like a cat. Then there was a light at the end of the bed 
and in the centre of it was the vision of Margaret Stothard looking directly at him. It terrified him so much that the very hairs on his head would stand upward. He cried out, the witch, the witch, and then he suffered a fit so bad that it awoke his family who had to hold him down until it passed. Jacob Mills, John's brother, who also gave his address as Edlinham Castle, also gave evidence against Margaret. He said that Margaret had approached him and his family, asking for donations for the poor, but they turned her away. When she was turned away, Margaret waved a white thing at them three times. The next morning their daughter was very ill, and cried out that the woman was pressing her like to break her back and press out her heart. She died, and Margaret the witch was blamed. When judgment was passed on Margaret, the trial, led by Magistrate Henry Ogle, ended without a verdict, despite the evidence given against her. What happened to Margaret after the trial is unknown. She may have lived a long life, or the fearful locals may have taken matter into their own hands. We may never know. Edlinham Castle is a real hidden gem. Amongst the wealth of supposed haunted castles in Northumberland, the ruin is totally free to visit and is accessible, to quote the English Heritage website, at any reasonable time during daylight hours. With the during daylight hours part being added in the last 10 years or so. Visitors after dark have seen dark shadowy figures moving swiftly around the barely standing stonework. Strange glowing lights appearing to move purposefully are also seen. Footsteps are heard walking on floorboards above visitors' heads, even though there are no longer any floorboards there. Some have claimed to have felt invisible hands tugging at their clothes, and a medium in recent years who visited the ruin, unaware of these reports, claimed that a young girl remains here, trying to get people's attention by pulling on their clothes and even trying to hold their hand. Suzanne Hitchinson told me about what she experienced at the castle late in 2004. I drove to the castle with my friend late one night. My friend wandered off to what was once the keep, and I stood in front of the castle, taking in the surroundings. Suddenly I heard footsteps coming up behind me. I thought it must have been my friend, but when I looked over to where they had gone, I could still see my friend was over there. It must have been somebody else behind me. Maybe another visitor. I was trying to pluck up the courage to turn around as the footsteps got closer. I could clearly hear the gravel behind me being trod on and kicked. I quickly turned around but there was nobody there. The noises stopped the instant I turned around. Way back in 2004, the same year as Suzanne's experience, I investigated Edlinham Castle after dark. Not once, not twice, but three times. My first night time foray into the darkness at Edlinham Castle was on the 17th of September 2004, and on that night I was accompanied by my good friend Ryan Elwell. A hundred people were surveyed and asked to name a haunted castle in the north of England. If Les Dennis had ever asked that question on popular British television game show Family Fortunes, how many people would have even considered saying Edlinham Castle? In fact, I'd bet that even if Les had asked a thousand people, not one would have considered this jewel in the heart of the Northumbrian countryside. It's only a stone's throw away from the world-famous Anak Castle, which is even more famous since a prepubescent magician by the name of Harry Potter went to school there and had all sorts of wondrous magical adventures with that ginger kid with the rat. Way back in 2004, 19 years ago, there was barely anything written about the ghosts of Edlinham Castle, and to the best of my knowledge, there had never been an investigation conducted there. But what I did know from talking to others with an interest in the subject matter, 
was that visitors had heard strange noises coming from the ruined castle, and seen strange lights moving all around the ruin. So what better way to find out what's going on there, than to grab my torch and camera, jump in the car, and make the short 45 minute drive north into the Northumbrian countryside, and find out all for myself. I parked up in the nearby car park at around 11pm. I turned the headlights off, and Ryan and I were plunged into absolute darkness. Directly in front of us was St John the Baptist's church. To our left were fields, and a five minute walk to our right was the castle. We got out of the car, but it was so dark I couldn't even see Ryan, even though he was stood right next to me. He then said what we were both thinking. What the hell is that? Then there was what could only be described as a very loud, very heavy breathing noise coming from the fields to our left. It sounded very close. Close enough to even be in the trees that were now directly in front of us. It's a dragon, whispered Ryan. I was fairly certain it wasn't a dragon, but what the hell was it? I tried to rationalise. A horse or a bull snoring, perhaps? Do horses snore? I don't know. But it was the only logical explanation I could come up with. Let's go and find out what it is, I whispered. Yeah, come on, came the reply out of the darkness. All of a sudden the mystery grew deeper when a scream came from across the fields in the same direction of the dragon noise. What the hell was that? Ryan said for a second time in the space of five minutes. We shone our torches into the trees and into the fields in front of us. I couldn't see anything, but what I did know was there was only one way to find out what it was. Hold my torch, I said to Ryan as I climbed onto an old stone wall. Where are you going? he asked. I'm going to try and get a better look, I said pointing to where the noise was coming from. What? You'll be going alone and you won't be coming back out alive, was his reply. I stood on the little wall scanning the area, hoping to see something, anything. Hello, I shouted into the darkness. The unusual noise continued. We both agreed to head to the castle, then if the noise was still there when we returned, we'd investigate further as best we could. I took a photo into the graveyard of the church as we passed, and when I looked at the photo on my camera, there was a large white area on the photo with no real reason for it to be there. People I've shown it to have said that it's a finger from a glove, but nobody was wearing gloves. The photo was on the Instagram at How Haunted Pod. Let me know what you think it is. We continued towards the castle, which we could just about make out in front of us in the darkness. The castle's very ruined, but it's still an imposing sight. As we walked towards the castle there was movement all around us in the fields, sheep giving us a wide berth. When we finally reached the castle we both felt fine. Ryan had calmed down after the dragon experience earlier, and we headed towards the large tower to the left of the main keep of the castle. Behind the tower we found a room intact that we could go inside. We cautiously entered and had a look around. Nothing much has left of Edlinham Castle in all honesty. It's very decayed and very little remains. In fact if English Heritage hadn't stepped in to save what was left of the castle 45 years ago, it would no longer be standing in any capacity. We made our way to the main entrance of the castle keep. Nothing much was happening until Ryan thought he'd seen something. You were there, he said to me. No I wasn't, I was over here, came my reply. He explained how he'd saw a figure sitting on a bit of wall over his right shoulder and he thought it was me. When he realised I was over his left shoulder, he looked back over his right again and whatever it was was gone. He looked very pale. Hello, I shouted. We know that you're here, we don't mean you any harm, we just want to see you. Can you appear again? Can you make a noise? Do anything for us? Nothing happened. 
Only he saw it so we both knew that it was every chance that it was just his imagination. But what if it wasn't? We were both on high alert now. There seemed to be much more of an atmosphere. We may not be alone. We both felt like we were being watched, but this could easily be paranoia. We were in the middle of nowhere in total darkness at a spooky old castle. What we needed was something concrete to happen to confirm how we felt. We checked the four windows of the tower looking down upon us. The tower is just to the left of the keep. There was nothing in any of the windows, nothing we could see anyway. The overwhelming feeling of being watched kept nagging away at me, and Ryan said quietly that he felt that we weren't welcome. We walked towards the tower. Ryan climbed up the rocks to the steps. There was a large metal bar to prevent people entering and a sign warning against climbing the tower. Ryan took a look up the tower. You could maybe climb the steps up to the first or second window, then the steps stopped. He saw a light moving in the field about 10 metres or so ahead of us. Again there was no one there. Was this something paranormal? I decided to climb up the first couple of steps to the tower, the only steps you can climb safely, before the metal bar and the warning sign. I had every intention of taking my digital camera but give it a Ryan to hold. I felt like there was something in there, and if I had to get back down the couple of steps quickly, I didn't want my camera hindering my speedy exit. There was a massive cold draft just in the entrance to the tower. It wasn't a particularly cold or windy evening, so I couldn't explain it, however, we were outdoors. I put my foot on the first step, and as I was about to step up to the second step, there was a shuffling noise at the top of the tower, and as I looked up, there was a banging noise coming down the tower towards me. It sounded like a large brick being thrown down the tower and bouncing off the walls as it came down. I shouted to Ryan who was blocking my exit, there's something there, and rushed out, expecting a huge rock to come crashing down behind me. He'd also heard what I'd heard inside the tower, and the pair of us were stood still, now a good five metres or so away from the tower, scouring the area with our torches. The atmosphere was incredibly oppressive, although again, this could have just been our imagination. I thought I saw a dark shadow move out of the corner of my eye into the light just through the keep entrance, and then back out of the light, and at the same time, Ryan thought that he too had seen a shadow move just to the left of the tower. He was now visibly shaken. At this point, I'd known him for a good few years and I'd never seen him like this. We stayed about 10 minutes longer, and Ryan said he just wanted to go, he wanted to get away from the castle. We walked away from Edlinham Castle. We kept checking behind us as we both had a feeling that we were being followed. We both agreed that we had to return to the castle in the near future, as despite us not having been here all that long, we'd had an extraordinary hour or so. We walked towards the car, and as we got a little way away from the castle the atmosphere lifted. We felt fine and we knew that it was over. For tonight. We went to Edlinham Castle not knowing what to expect, as we don't know of anybody investigating the castle before, but we'd had a really eventful night. I had been on far more investigations at this point than Ryan, but it was still less than two years since I conducted my first investigation at this point. The sound in the tower could easily be explained by wildlife, maybe nesting birds moving around because of hearing us talk in the torchlight. Neither of us saw the same shadowy figure, so that's almost certainly our imagination, especially given we just had a fright. But, at the same time we can't rule out that there was something there with us. So the only way to get that conclusive evidence is to return. 
And that's exactly what we did just four days later, on the 21st of September 2004. We had a new addition to the team tonight, as Ryan and I were joined by Tom Kirk up my younger brother. I had briefed Tom fully on what happened and what to expect as we made the short 45 minute journey to the castle. Tonight was a lot colder and it also seemed a lot darker than our initial visit. We arrived in the car park at about 9.30pm. We climbed out of the car and listened for the dragon noise. Sure enough it was still there. We had another look into the field to see if we could find out where it was coming from but still no luck. I'll have to come here during daylight to try and find out what lives in that field. Just a quick note from future Rob on this one. I wrote this initially way, way back in 2004, and I still have absolutely no idea what the dragon noise was. I've been here on a number of occasions during the day in the 19 years since, and that field that we heard the noise coming from after dark has always been empty. We slowly made our way past the 11th century church's graveyard and past the field towards the castle, which had absolutely terrified Ryan on Friday night. Why am I here again, mumbled Ryan over and over as we neared the castle. We gathered in amongst the ruined area directly in front of the main section of the castle's ruin and we looked around. We felt fine, but Ryan and I knew that we hadn't yet neared the area where so much had happened last time. A few short minutes later, we slowly walked towards the main part of the castle. We intentionally had not told Tom of the different places where we had possibly glimpsed something, or had heard sounds coming from. We decided to walk around the building, as the last time we'd never walk around the back of it. We headed to our left and walked to the small room which can still be entered but is mainly a ruin. We noticed for the first time that the two windows high up, markings on the wall and then the fireplace at the bottom looked like a face, and it was very eerie illuminated by the moonlight. We walked around the whole building. The rear of the building is very ruined and you can see where English Heritage have wired parts of the building together to stop it collapsing completely. I feel like we're being watched again, said Ryan ominously as we reached the front of the castle once again. I looked a question at him, without saying a word. He knew what I was thinking. Was it the paranoia because of the fright we'd had only a few days earlier? But we both knew that was a question that neither of us could answer. Yet. I think we're being watched by a strong male presence, Ryan said. I shot him another look, but then we were all suddenly distracted by bright lights behind us near a bridge, back towards where I parked car headlights I suggested but Tom was quick to point out that it was just one light motorbike offered Ryan then it just disappeared that was weird said Tom perhaps it was a security light from a house or the church Ryan said yeah perhaps or maybe somebody with a really powerful torch I responded the three of us stood there in silence potentially the only people for miles and miles around just watching the darkness waiting to see if the bright light returned it didn't, so back to the matter at hand. We'd been here 30 minutes so far, and other than Ryan feeling on edge, it had been very quiet, with the exception of the occasional bar from the sheep somewhere out there in the darkness, and of course the dragon noise. Is there anyone here with us? Can you let us know that you're here? Tom said out loud into the absolute darkness that surrounded us, now we had our torches out, and the moon had been shrouded by clouds. Nothing. But then, a loud heavy breathing sound came from the tower in front of us. I looked at Tom to my left and then Ryan to my right. I wanted validation that they had heard what I was hearing. However, it was so dark that I couldn't see either of them, despite them only being a matter of inches away from me. 
but I soon got the confirmation that I needed. What is that? asked Ryan. My mind raced, trying to rationalise. My immediate, logical answer was that it was some kind of animal that we'd disturbed. But I've seen enough BBC Springwatch on the Really Wild show to know that it wasn't a bird or a small creature like a mouse or even a rat. To make a noise that loud, it must be something much bigger. That is, if that's what it was. We had no idea what it was. And what was most frustrating of all is that there was no way of getting into this section of the tower to find out. If you're making that noise, could you do something else to let us know that you're here, I asked. The noise continued, but nothing else happened. But then... We were stood in the inky blackness around 5 metres or 15 or so feet from the front of the castle. My eyes were totally accustomed to the darkness, and then I saw something. Can you see that? whispered Ryan. He'd seen it too. There was a white misty shape in front of the castle. I felt it had a feminine shape, but at the same time I dismissed this thought immediately, chastising myself for getting carried away. But what the hell was I looking at? Tom answered Ryan's question with a mumbled, "Uh uh-huh. The misty thing moved slowly, seeming to come towards us. I watched intently. None of us spoke. I tried not even to blink, for fear whatever it was would vanish. I heard a click. It was Ryan clicking on his torch. He shone it at this thing, whatever it was. There was nothing there. He clicked his torch off, and it was gone. The three of us didn't speak for what seemed like an eternity, but in reality was probably less than a minute. I knew whatever we'd seen was gone, so I broke the silence. We tried to comprehend what we'd witnessed. I didn't dare use the G word, as it seemed inconceivable that what I'd just witnessed was a ghost. At the same time, we struggled to come up with any alternatives to that being what it was. As I tell you about this almost 20 years on, I'm fairly certain that whatever it was has a natural explanation. It could have been a fine mist rising from the wet grass that surrounds the ruin of Edlinham Castle. This would also explain why it seemed to move. But I'll never know for sure. It's extremely unlikely, borderline impossible, that the three of us may well have seen a spirit of somebody long dead with a connection to Edlinham Castle. I suspect not, and I can't prove it either way. I'd have loved to take some photos, but mobile phones didn't commonly have cameras on them back in 2004, and turning my digital camera on and taking some photos didn't even cross my mind. We explored the area around the castle for a further 45 minutes, asking aloud for some kind of sign that we weren't alone. But we experienced nothing. Even the Darth Vader breathing noise from the castle had stopped. The only thing that remained was perhaps the nagging feeling of being watched from high up in the tower. Invisible eyes peering down upon us. We decided to call it a night and go back to the car. As we went to leave, a loud growling noise came from near the pathway that we had to take to go back to the car. We couldn't see anything, and there were only sheep in the field around us, which don't make a noise like we'd heard. I thought it may have been the plastic bars on the fence vibrating in the breeze, but we weren't sure. After only a few short minutes we were back in the warmth of my car and heading back to the safety offered by our homes. The three of us were buzzing about our evening, and we chatted excitedly as we headed away from the castle. We'd had two fascinating evenings, and we all said we definitely needed to return again soon, but what we didn't know at the time was just how soon we'd be back. On Saturday the 30th of October 2004, 
I was heading back to Edlinham Castle. It was a very special evening, as when the clock struck midnight, we'd be entering Halloween. This would be our third visit to the castle, and on the previous two, it had seemed that we weren't welcomed by whatever lurks within. But we're back. Ryan Elwell would once again be the Robin to my Batman. Ryan had been to the castle on both previous visits, and on both occasions we'd had tantalising experiences. Things that we couldn't necessarily explain, but we also knew we couldn't conclusively justify as definitely being paranormal. Ryan was literally scared away on our first visit here, but credit where credit's due, when I suggested returning, he couldn't wait to see what we had experienced this time. With our equipment loaded into my car, we hit the road and once again made the short journey up the A697 to Edlinham Castle. We drove through thick fog, and when we hit the narrow winding country lanes it was so dark that my headlights on full beam didn't seem to help too much, but when I parked up and we stepped out into the night, we were both stunned by how light it was. I'd actually checked I'd turned the car lights off as it was so light. The moon directly above the castle lit up the sky like nothing I'd ever seen before. It was almost 11pm, but it was lighter now than it had been at 7pm earlier this evening. It wasn't a particularly cold evening either. If I didn't know that it was a couple of days away from November, I'd have been convinced that we were in the late summer, just creeping into autumn. We listened for the dragon noise that we'd heard on both of our previous visits, but we heard nothing. I got my camera out my car, and we got our torches, although we didn't really need them, it was so light. And rather than head straight for the castle, we had a look around the churchyard. The Church of St John the Baptist is mainly 11th and 12th century, but the large tower with slit windows was built in the 14th century. The slit windows indicate that this will have been a place of refuge during raids by the Scots. The lords from the castle would have been buried here. I felt calm and unafraid in the churchyard. I took some photos of the church with my camera, and all of a sudden the lithium battery died completely, even though it had registered as being full only moments earlier. Before I even had chance to tell Ryan, he shouted over to tell me that his brand new torch batteries had just died. We stayed in the churchyard a little while longer before leaving and heading for the castle. As we walked to the castle we pondered the simultaneous draining of the batteries. It could have been a coincidence, but it would have to have been one hell of a coincidence. We reached the castle and Ryan said he felt a shiver go up his spine. The moon was directly above the castle bathing it in light, however it didn't make it any less threatening. We walked amongst the ruins looking for shadows using all of our senses seeing what we could pick up. A police car came screaming down the road behind the castle and out of sight. Over near the church a few minutes later I saw a light. Had somebody rang the police to complain about two suspicious looking people wandering round the churchyard in the middle of the night? We knew we hadn't done anything wrong, and we'd shown total respect, but we agreed to make the short walk back to the car just in case. We soon found the source of the light. It was the torch of a bloke walking his dog. We headed back to the castle and passed the man again on his way back up. Evening, I said. Hello, are you looking for ghosts, came the reply. We talked to him briefly for a few minutes. It turned out that he was a member of the parish, and he looks after the church, as well as being the person in Edlinham responsible for keeping an eye on the castle for English heritage. There's no ghosts here. You won't see anything here, but you're more than welcome to look, he said cheerily. He wished us a good evening and good luck, and we bid him a good evening in return. He headed home, accompanied by his faithful four-legged companion. 
We reached the castle again and headed straight for the solar tower, which is the main part that still stands today. As we stood, staring up at the imposing old fortress, I felt an involuntary shiver as a cold breeze passed right through me. The temperature seemed to plummet in a matter of seconds, as I could now see my breath when I asked Ryan if he'd noticed the drop in temperature. Ryan said, unusually and unprompted, that he thought the spirits of children play here. A few seconds later we both heard the voice of a young female come from just behind the castle, maybe two or three metres away from where we were stood. It was so clear that if this was the daytime you'd think nothing of it, as you'd think it was a young girl playing amongst the castle ruins. We headed in the direction of the sound, we walked around the whole castle, but there was nobody there. This castle is in the middle of nowhere, and at this late hour, there's no way that a child would be out here alone. I felt like I was being watched. The same feeling I've had every time I've been here. We asked aloud for something, someone, to let us know that we weren't alone. But this time we heard nothing. Midnight arrived, it was now Halloween. I challenged the ghost of Edlinham Castle, speaking out into the darkness. We know you're here. Come on, do something. Make a noise. Show yourself. Nothing. When 1am arrived, we decided to call it a night and head back to the car. As soon as we were out of the vicinity of the castle, the temperature went back up and I could no longer see my breath. Tonight was a strange one. It was a lot quieter than our previous two visits. But we did experience the unusual battery draining in the churchyard and the voice of the young girl, neither of which we can easily explain away. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. You can follow How Haunted on Twitter at at HowHauntedPod, or over on Instagram at HowHauntedPod, where you will see photos galore relating to Edlinham Castle. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by visiting the website at www.how-haunted.com or you can email me directly at rob at how-haunted.com Feedback, location, suggestions and your own experiences are all more than welcome. Feel free to ask me any questions you like and I'll answer them all on a dedicated Q&A episode. This episode is coming soon. If you'd like to support the show and get early access to episodes, you can join the Patreon for less than the price of a pint. You'll also get access to exclusive episodes where you'll join me on an actual paranormal investigation and you'll hear the audio as it happened. The seven episodes of this nature are waiting for you right now, including the latest one at 35 Stonegate in York. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash howhauntedpod to find out more. If you want to find a Patreon, or perhaps would prefer to make a one-off donation to the podcast, why not donate £2 to buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash howhauntedpod. All the information on how you can support How Haunted is in the podcast description and over on the website. If you've enjoyed this episode, if enjoy is the right word, then please subscribe and review the podcast on your podcast provider of choice. It really does help other people to find How Haunted. Next time we're headed to Wales' oldest pub, a historic old inn located in the stunning Brecon Beacons National Park dating back over 900 years. A building which was once used as a court of law, 
where accused criminals were sentenced to death, and their hanging was carried out right there in that very building. 182 criminals, including women and children, were hung by their neck until dead, from an oak beam over the staircase, where the mark of the rope rubbing can still be seen. This has led to this inn being haunted by a myriad of restless phantoms. It's claimed that this is one of the most paranormally active locations in all of Wales. But is this truly the case? Let's find out together next week, when we head to Abergavenny and spend some time at the Skirid Inn. Thank you so much for accompanying me for our paranormal adventures once again. Stay safe, and join me next time where we will once again ask the question, How Haunted? Thank you.